different going on the next couple of days? It could be because this prayer is being offered. You know, it's uh, it's it's always it's always an amazing thing to be able to come together and pray. It's always an amazing thing to be able to to say we feel that the Lord is asking us to make proclamation and to follow him in some directive that that's the privilege of being a saint and certainly the the prophetic directive that went forth on Sunday to to pray during the uh, this week beginning on Wednesday through the next Wednesday in the middle of the month a sila type of uh, progression it's always a wonderful thing to be able to uh, to do that and to invite other saints to do it but again it's totally totally your call if you would like to participate with us I think that tomorrow on Wednesday Night Live of course it's a long way till tomorrow the Lord could say something different tonight or in the middle of the night or even in the morning about what our topic should be on Wednesday Night Live but I'm just thinking that we will focus a bit on the sila and how that how that really applies to just about every aspect of our lives you know again we're not into numerology I, I remember one time being with Robert Fulton and Tina and Debbie and we were up in in Philadelphia and we went into a church and there was a guy there who seemed to be a very nice fellow well-dressed but he was really into numerology and he had obviously he had been part of some teaching that just pegged out the meaning of numbers and he he was he was almost like a soothsayer of numerical uh, of numerical proclamations it, it certainly wasn't the type of numbers that we as saints have cleaned you know for instance when we say sila we we see that in scripture promise sila fulfillment and that's really a threefold principle and then you extrapolate out father son holy spirit and you you talk about the other types of threes where they are in the bible but they all stay in the same concept the same would be <clears throat> voice thunders lightnings earthquakes or the ingredients of incense um, that is a principle or the five is a principle the two is a principle the one the seven is a principle, eight is a principle, ten is a principle, twelve is a principle. Those are very clear, but they're based on biblical dynamics, not because some Yahoo out in some strange place said, well, I think number three is this. Um, but I remember that guy, and I felt I was so, he was so aggressive and 
He was dressed in a flashy suit. He wasn't the minister of the day, but he was just going on and on. You know, he he'd talk to you, and if you and he'd ask you, he'd ask you questions that would almost that would almost require you to give some kind of a numeric answer, and then he would go off on that number. And I thought, man, get me out of here. And, I, and that was many years ago. I don't know why I thought of that. But the, the sila in the middle of this month is, uh, is really a principle that goes back to the days in the tabernacle where David would send over a, a, a promise or some kind of a, a challenge that the people of God, or he in, the, as in kingship, was facing. And then there was intercession, there was music, there was warfare, and it would last for however long the Spirit would indicate that. So it wasn't a, a set period of time, that middle group. But then the, the, the answer was celebrated, and the 74 times that Selah is mentioned in Psalms and in, um, and in Habakkuk. Um, it, it follows that pattern. So that's a pretty good proof text. So um, we will be praying tomorrow evening and through the day tomorrow. And it will culminate next Wednesday in the middle of this month, or roughly in the middle. And we're, we're believing that we're ministering to the Lord and we're laying claim to the things that God has promised. And we're not simply relying on what we heard him say, even though that is concrete. We, we're standing in agreement as an intercessor that the Father's will would be done. And you know, I always wondered about people who, who say, well, what good does it do to pray because God's going to do what he wants anyway? I understand that to a degree. But you might as well just start plucking out pages of scripture if you believe that. You know, why would Jesus teach his disciples to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven if that is already set in motion? So why pray about it? And we understand that God gives the opportunity for intercessors to partner with him. Before he does anything, he searches for an intercessor. We understand that because that's God's desire to incorporate us into the identity and relationship that he has ordained from the foundation of the world. We, we're grateful for that. And intercession in the voice is really the way God functions because everything begins with a voice. And so the whole concept of intercession is partnering with God, participating in his plan, uh, initiating. And he graciously allows us to participate in that initiation of things prophetically. And um, it, it's, it's just a wonderful, it's an avenue of invitation to partner with the Father, but it is also 
really teaching us how God does things. So anybody who says, well, what good does it do to pray? God's going to do what he wants anyway, is, is basically following the party line that so many denominations and movements embrace. Now, I do understand that sometimes you have to evaluate and you have to assess things before you might come alongside. You know, all kinds of ministries always are attempting to recruit those that would support them, either financially or whatever way they would feel that they're part of that group. And, and so they throw in a lot of God told me's and you know this is God's will and those kinds of things and people who don't want to really initiate a partnership with God on their own and I say that very clearly are more inclined to try to be a part of somebody else's mission and they don't take any responsibility other than to say yes I'm part of this it's kind of like rooting for a sports team I mean, you, you never suit up for the team, you never practice, you never, you never make trades, or you never subscribe to the schematic of the team uh, on defense or, or whatever way. But you wear, the, you wear the jersey of the team, and you think, this is my team. Some people uh, identify that with the city they're from. I understand that. Others are just kind of butterflies. If this team is really going, well, man, I've got to buy my merchandise and say I'm rooting for that team. And as soon as that team goes downhill, well, I like this team over here. But we, we do that, and we feel some sense of city pride or some, you know, we invest ourselves and then we watch other people do it. And we rejoice as if we did it. I understand that. I'm not maligning that. But Christians are often that way. You know, they, they hear some evangelist or some guy that's really slick, and, or some woman, I guess I should say that, lest I be branded a misogynist. And they think, man, they're, they're going. And we've we got to be a part of that. Over the years that I've been here, I have seen megachurches rise and fall. Um, and I won't mention any, but I can remember people having bumper stickers of those particular churches. And they just wanted to be where the action was. Oh, you should see this monstrous facility that's being built out there. They have these prayer times every day. That church now, the one I'm thinking of, isn't even there anymore. Several of them aren't even there anymore. And I, I'm not celebrating the demise of a ministry. But I do know that there were thousands of people that really didn't, I'm not saying this very clearly, really didn't want to do anything than to affiliate with something that was blowing and going. Maybe they thought, I'll go there because it's exciting. Maybe they thought, I'll go there because they have a big whatever ministry the person liked. Or maybe they have a big children's program, a big youth program, and my kids certainly want to be there. I understand all that. That's the way churches usually work. But to get people to really say, 
you know, though none go with me, I will follow. I want to, I want to seek the Lord, and uh, I feel that He's saying this, and so, uh, you know, I'm going to pray. That, that that's a difficult thing. It's a, it's a, you know, the way this Saints Network began. We didn't say we were going to be a denomination. We just simply felt that God was leading us in biblical principles, but we were seeking Him at His throne. And God began to bring people, churches, groups, individuals, who felt that way. Now, there were those who came because, and I know this, I'm the leader of this thing. So, I saw it. So, I'm not criticizing, I'd be criticizing myself. But there would be people who like the excitement of the angelic, and who like the excitement about visions, or like the excitement about praying in this ecstatic, spirit-led atmosphere. And they liked being around others who did it. Um, but then when it became common to them, not so much. You know, there's this other group over here we're really interested in. Let's loop over there. Or let's leave this group, but we want to keep all the rights and privileges of partnership and friendship, even though we're not following. We like these people, but we, we aren't really with them anymore. Now, the Lord spoke about shaking the dust off your feet if people aren't moving in the assignment that God has given you. It's not that you curse them. It's not that you reject them. But, you know, my fellowship is with people who are of like mind and like spirit in the Lord. That's the only place I would have a benefit from them or that they would benefit from me in following after God. Follow me as I also follow Christ. If you're not following what I am. I feel that the Father is giving uh, as a, an anointed son before the throne, then maybe you need to find a place that a different agenda for you. But you can't, you can't be this and not be this. And so, um, but I know that some people join in and then life kind of invades them. And then they want us to become something else for them. They want us to be their prayer chain. They want us to be their counselor. They want us to be, um, to keep tricking it up. Or to receive some wacky new doctrine that they brought in. And when we don't show hook, line, and sinker because we don't, first of all, either see that it's biblical, or secondly, it's not the path God has called us to, they get offended. So this network is not coerced. It's, it's simply a, a group of people that biblically are following the same principles and who recognize that this is really what God has given to them. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's just amazing in its vitality and excitement. Sometimes you're in the doldrums, which is 
a seafarer's term that means you're out there and there's no wind and you don't have a motorboat or paddles um, and you think where am I what what am I doing but those are just the ways of the spirit you know we talk about people that ignore the biblical principles and one of the principles is when God hides himself and you have to search for him with all of your heart that's anathema for a lot of people they want it easy they want it quick lay hands on me pray for me you know or they'll they'll look at other people and and you know in some ways they judge that God is blessing those folks more than them and then when that happens you either think three one of three things first of all that somehow you've missed God and maybe you need to go somewhere else or secondly God has given those people things that he's not given me and I don't really like that thirdly these people over here are in a position where as they're flourishing they're holding me back I think that's maybe the worst because they're there they're participating but they have that unstable that instability and you're always grappling with that and so you know and then you know I think about um, when we first began to seek the Lord for something different by, by his invitation it was 26 years ago almost 27 years ago my life was totally different then in so many ways and the things that I surrendered to the Lord then were really important to me I didn't abandon them but you know they were important but then over those years what other important things have come you know I'm now a grandfather um, I am I just turned 65 last week and I had to take that plunge that our government makes us take where you have to get on Medicare um, weird feeling you know I've got lots of responsibilities now that I didn't have back then different points of ministry different points of obligation around the world and for me how do I process that same willingness to abandon myself how do I and it's up to you to to do that with the responsibilities I have now um, some of them on a totally different level than what I faced 27 years ago how do I keep the priority of seeking God um, you know at that point in 96 way back in 96 you know my daughters were younger and um, you know Kelly was uh, 13 
and Katie was nine. And you know, we, our family was good. Um, and when I, when I started to seek the Lord and do the strange things that God asked us to do, it did send ripples through this church. It sent ripples through their, their uh, relationships and it, uh, I'm sure it affected them in some ways, but I prayed and I said, Lord, don't let me lose my daughters here because I've seen pastor's kids that are just, gee whiz, they might as well be out in the world. I went to school with a lot of them and I see how the ministry could screw up kids. Um, don't let that happen and he didn't and I'm grateful for that but where I am now um, you know with grandkids that's a totally different feeling you don't know it until you're actually there but it's a totally different feeling because then a new phase of your life kicks in now you have these little ones that you feel love for um, you have obligations to your your children who are the parents of those uh, and and sometimes that overwhelms the abandonment to the Lord I've seen that happen and and I I'm not saying that I've been totally innocent in that um, but I I think we all need to say father You've blessed me with this, but the most important blessing I have is to stay committed to you. Um, and so, as easy as it was, as easy, difficult as it was way back at the beginning of this, um, it's, it's a challenge now uh, because we always have opportunities to renege on our commitment to the Lord and you know sometimes it hides these these things that would draw you sometimes it hides itself and you don't really recognize that you're not fully abandoned to God and and I think that's to get back to the sila I think that's one of the ways that the sila is uh, is really beneficial because God is always giving you opportunities to partner with him in his plan in his purpose and you know you can embrace the plan and ignore the cost the sila emphasizes the cost and um, it's it's really an opportunity for you to partner with God, yes, to, to intercede, to, to worship. But it's also an opportunity for you to affirm the fact that you're committed. You see, the church has eliminated the sila largely. We like the promise. People lay hands on us. They, Brother, I declare over you. Or they'll knit together a bevy of scriptures and like they're arguing a case and you know it's done you know these are the scriptures it'll never pass away I'm built on this rock you know enemy you have to listen to me and 
or you'll think okay you know i'm in agreement with this i sent an offering so you know i've sown into this i'm going to reap the benefit or whatever other way you can partner in some ways without really investing yourself the sila brings all of that home and so there are a lot of things that I believe prophetically this was brought for and I thank you Monica for gleaning this I was all in favor of it when I when I heard and approved this for our church uh, but the sila is is placed appropriately because we're we're believing God for what he's promised we know that this is a breakthrough month we know that this is a month of warfare and insisting on what God wants we've just come through the atonement Yom Kippur kind of a progression and now we are uh, we're really being asked in the middle of this month to invest ourselves you say, well, haven't I been investing myself already? When have you invested enough? When, when, have you, when have you given your whole heart? If you still got some whole, I think in any language means all. And have you really given the totality or, or thrown the full weight of who you are into the measure of believing for God to do what he wants to do. You know, when Jesus spoke about the moving of mountains, and he said, if you believe and shall not doubt in your heart. Um, doubt takes many forms. And I don't want to go too far with this, but doubt can be flavored by the evil conscience that you're supposed to be sprinkling the blood over in your heart, according to Hebrews 10. Look it up. But doubt can also be some ulterior voice within you that is really not on board with what the rest of you is voting for. You know, that's where fasting comes in. I, I always have to say when I know God is asking me to make a commitment for some type of demanding ministry or some point of travel that I know is going to be demanding and I, I weigh the fact that all the factors that I'm aware of with travel and plus being away from here being away from family I have to weigh all those things and sometimes I've gone places that are really was not places that I wanted to go and I was I, I went in obedience and really poured myself out and was part of teams led teams 
but truth be known, I couldn't wait to get back. And now you always want to get back home. So there, there's always a process in you that's being perfected. And there's always a process in you that God wants to commune with you about. And hopefully you're not flunking the same test over and over and over again. <laughs> um, of course, today in schools, I guess it doesn't matter. Instead of saying, look, you've got to master this subject or you don't pass the course. Now we say, move those kids along. Or we say, let's eliminate programs that teach higher measures of discovery and let's just bring everybody down to the same level. And that's what equity is. Let's make everybody in the same level. And as soon as you do that, see, we don't believe that in any other point of life. Let's say you are a, a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You want them to win. You got Tom Brady. You want them to win. And you don't say, well, you know, let's just, we're playing this stinky team over here. We don't want them to feel bad. So instead of displaying excellence that they could emulate if they want to, Bring your best game. Let's see who wins. We'll just play down. You know, sometimes when I would, I was a fan of a particular team, and they would demolish really good teams. And then they'd play a bottom-rung team who was just either mismanaged or in rebuild or whatever. And they'd play down to the level of that team. And it would just irritate, even lose to some of those teams. And you think, how does that happen? It's not tortoise in the hair. It's just devaluing. You know, we, sh we must never allow ourselves to equitize or bottom out. We should keep striving for the high calling. And so a sila, one of the added benefits to the sila is that when you're seeking God on behalf of something, that he wants to do. You're also engaging in a measure of submission to him and being perfected, and hopefully that lasts you. Hopefully you emerge from that time not only with the victory that God promised, but that you emerge better than you were, and you preserve that betterness. Not bitterness, but betterness. These are just things that I think God is wanting. You know, I, I, I last week, most of you know, I was away for a few days. And on Friday, on my birthday, I was given the opportunity to be alone for the day. Which... I was grateful for. And so I worked on some things in the morning. I studied some. I prayed. And then I just listened. I listened. 
and God was talking to me about deeper measures of forgiveness and what it means and how important it is for me to grasp in a better way how he forgives and why he forgives. I think that there, there are people in the progressive movement who totally obliterate the idea of forgiveness. They, they think that since God is love, that somehow the, the Old Testament uh, demonstrations of God are fallacial. In other words, they never happened. And that somehow the idea of people going to hell is a wrongful idea. And they just start ripping out passages of Scripture. And, and in a way, I think we do need to understand if God is a God of love and God is a God of forgiveness, and we're to forgive like He forgives, how then does God send people to an eternity of judgment? Now, if the answer is very simple, it is that God intends for every person to come to know Him through Jesus, not through good works, not through some Buddhist type of we're all one God business, but through Jesus. And then the, the always mentioned topic in soteriology in grad school or seminary or wherever you might go. What about the people in some remote village in India or some remote island who never heard of Jesus? How does God process that? Well, how did God process those that were in paradise who died in the Old Covenant? Now, I, I, don't, I don't really know I can't, I'm not saying that Jesus meets with them and says, do you want to follow me or not? I, I'm not there. I don't know that. But somehow, God, who is a just God, cause, gives every person the opportunity to know him and to accept Christ, because that's the only way you know the Father. That's the only way. And, you know, I heard preachers that say, you know, we've got to send missionaries out so that the gospel of the kingdom can be preached to all the world eventually in come. Well, what about the guy on that same all the world who died a hundred years ago? How do you process that? Or 500 years ago? Or 2,000 years ago? What about those people? So, God makes a way through his only son, his firstborn, his only begotten. And through him, and accepting him, we can know forgiveness. And then God works with us to become more like him to where we, we don't justify, we don't judge, but we don't justify the wrongs that people do. We hold some standards, biblical standards, but it's not us. God is the judge of all. And um, 
you know, but, but to process forgiveness um, and to really have the right spirit in regard to forgiveness is, uh, is really an ongoing process with God. It, it truly is. And I, um, I think there's a whole lot more to forgiveness than what we have embraced. Forgiveness is simply not saying, yeah, I forgive you. Um, I've had people say they forgive me for things and later on they'd say, you know, I did that because I knew the Lord wanted me to, but I've just ne not been able to get past that. It's crazy crazy the things that people get offended by and I think that's the essence it's that you are willing to surrender things not that your forgiveness really has any power yeah if you don't forgive the only person that's restricted is you because if somebody if somebody did something wrong to you legitimately wrong and they come to Jesus and ask forgiveness they're forgiven now he may tell them you need to go to that one and make things right but your unforgiveness only affects you but with that though understanding what forgiveness is in God is a strange thing if, if we forgive and we're forgiven in the same way we forgive that's a weighty statement and I, I just, I really want to be right with God. I don't want to have anything that holds me back with doubt in my heart. And, and I, I, it comes back. See, so you wondered if I was ever going to get back to Sila. It comes back to, will I submit myself and invest myself wholeheartedly into what God is wanting to do? And you may not know exactly what it is, but you sense that he's promised something. We're speaking with our brothers and sisters in uh, Western Europe and French-speaking countries and even in Africa about this uh, in our message of the week. And we were, we were talking about how that sometimes you're praying and investing yourself in the Lord and you have no idea what the solution, how the solution is going to manifest itself. No idea at all. And I, I was giving the illustration of how we, we were praying for years and learning things in the scripture, learning the elemental principles of Pneumatikos and how to seek God, how to pray. Wonderful days. But there were all kinds of opinions as to how God was going to break us through. None of them spoke about what he actually did. And God said at the beginning of 1996, no, God said at the beginning of 2003, all right, you need to do something regarding the French people, French-speaking peoples, and then which made no sense at all in the natural. So we sent teams out, we prayed, the very day we got back, we had a denominational official here who just ripped me a new one and initiated this process. Well, he probably didn't initiate it. He was sent here. 
but, but the, the scourge began. Well, in a matter of months, we were, we were out of that movement. I'm not going to go through the details, but almost immediately then, there was a pastor from France who was at our church, came here. God directed him to come here. God ministered to them, made the invitation for us to come into France, and we did so. And since that time, God opened our alliance with our brothers and sisters, very deep family bonds with them. We didn't know, had no idea that was what God was going to do. And we had some clues, but nothing that, nothing that really would say, thus says me, you're going there. So sometimes you're investing yourself in the plan of God totally, completely, but you really don't know exactly how God's going to do it. And for me, I had to commit myself. Because I mean, when those guys came after us, they were threatening me with prison. They, they weren't playing around. They wanted this to stop. They wanted this property. It's just the truth. I know some of you cringe and you get all, you get all tightened up in places you shouldn't get tight, but that's what happened. Just admit it. And, you know, that was wrong. That was wrong. And, but my point for bringing it up was if there was ever a test as to whether I was really committed, it was then. And would we be able to survive? Of course, that was a long train run, financially or whatever. But we had to say, yeah, I'm in this, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to turn around. I'm not going to stop. Are you at that point? Or have you said, okay, I did it and I got to this point, but now not so much. Where is your commitment factor? I'm speaking to myself. And what do you do with forgiveness? What do you do with forgiveness? I think there's some measures, like with the denomination, that deep in me, I think, okay, two things. This wasn't just happening to us. Our attorneys told us, who were very high-placed attorneys, that this was happening all over the world. In more places, hundreds of places in this nation. Not necessarily with the Saints Network, but it was just wrong. God is moving in that, and I have to submit that, but I feel... I, I feel... I'm kind of mixing because I know what God promised us regarding that movement and other movements that need to come into this understanding. But maybe in my intercession, God is processing those wrongful actions. And it is a process of perfecting that then generates the gold of faith that is exchanged then for, in the marketplace of the visitation. Um, do you ever wonder why your faith is purged as gold? Because gold was the 
and, and salt, gold and salt, gold and salt. Those were the two main modicums of commerce. Silver, also there, that was more of a, how are you going to serve in the process? Why wasn't it diamonds? Diamonds, you know, the pressure comes and hardens you. and You become sharper than anything. And, you know, you've got these precious gems and stones in heaven that indicate on the breastplate and up there. You walk on streets of gold. Because gold and salt, can you, can you walk in this life and let those things be personified and perfected so that when it's needed, at a certain point, you have the goods to provide that. And that's the thing of selahs. Some of them are quick. Others go on for a long period of time. And what God's doing then, it's intercession, yes. It's adding weightiness to it, yes. Partnering with God's timing, which involve a lot of factors. It's not just God says, okay, there it is. There's not just your faith, but all kinds of factors are playing out in the timing of the Lord. And the bigger the thing God wants to do, the more is involved. You've got to do your part, but you have to recognize, look, this is... This is this is a process. So I have to believe that for me, and, and for you in forgiveness, I'm just giving you an illustration here. I can talk about you. You want me to air your dirty laundry? I don't think so. Um, I've got to get to the point where God, I think it's done and then God brings it up. It's not like I'm wanting to bring it up. Look, some of you know me. I want to get through things. I don't want to keep hashing and rehashing. Oh, you're going to bring that up again. Come on, I'm done with that. Some of you have heard me say that. And I mean it. Some people just like to dig it up and dig it up. Let's look at it. Let's pick at it. Let's pick at it. Forget it. I'm just putting you... I'm, I'm crossing myself and saying I forgive. Let the... Go away. And then God brings it back up. And in his timing, I think that's, in some ways, that's not wrong. In some ways, that's just the way God does stuff. That's what David said. Search me. Try me. See if there is any wicked way in me. If he's asking God to search, that means David has it someplace that he doesn't want to look at. It's not like hide and seek. God, I've hidden this thing. I have hidden it. See if you can find it anywhere. That's not what he said. And so I think that God conveniently brings things back for the next stage of your development. And then you process it. Now hopefully you're processing it, processing it from a higher level. So we've got nine minutes left. Some of you have already turned it off. Of course you won't know I said that. But why is this Selah now? What are the things God has promised? Long-standing promises that we've had, plus new things that we've, we've been praying for, kind of like that entry into France. What does God have for us? Maybe during this week, we're going to be praying, 
loving the Lord, maybe God's going to be dealing with some things in you to get you ready for the next thing, or corporately to get our body ready for the next thing. God is in control of this. So, the sila and forgiveness, that's just such a weird thing to me. How can I forgive like God forgives? How can you? What's this sea of forgetfulness? Though my sins were scarlet, they're made as white as snow. So, can I? Is that the way I do it? And, you know, I don't hold grudges. I don't have vengeance. And as much as I say that, you know, there were some things that were brought to me last Friday on my birthday of all things. What a gift. The gift of being alone. That was nice. Just to be able to spend time with the Lord. That was a gift. Not saying I wanted to be away from anybody else. I had a wonderful time. But just being alone. So, Lord, why are you bringing this up? Why, why is this here? And maybe it's because when it's brought up, if it, if it hurts coming out, then maybe you've got some things you need to do to, to eliminate that, that sharpness. And I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not dwelling on this. I'm not asking every time I pray for vengeance, which belongs to you. I'm not, I'm not asking to be vindicated, even though we all want to be vindicated. We all want to be shown that you were wrong, I was right if you really know that's the case. I mean, some things are just cut and dry. A lot of times people think they're right, but they're really wrong. But in this instance, praying in diversities of tongues, being on my face before God, wanting to seek after Him, that's not wrong. That is not wrong. Allowing people to wave banners and dance and, God forbid, not wear shoes in church, that's not wrong. So, that's a pretty clear line. I'll be more vile than this line in Scripture. So, there are some things that are just not negotiable. And is that desire then for everybody to come into that freedom? And for everybody to be pure in those expressions? You know, I remember going to a district meeting where they had, uh, they welcomed the guys from Brownsville to come and speak. So we went to that. We, we were part, we, we went to things. And I remember that there were people up front dancing during the worship time at this convention place we were at. And, uh, I remember that the leader of the me movement, of the meeting, not of the movement, came up and at the, uh, when was it, the next day, he said, you know, we saw people dancing down front, and I was trying to process how some of those same people came forward at the altar call, and I thought, who thinks that way? Who, who thinks that way? I mean... Are you saying that that's why you don't dance because 
you've got sin in your life, that's your that's what you're saying. And I, I would be grateful if somebody was dancing before the Lord sincerely and the Spirit got a hold of them and then God said, you know, you need to surrender something to me. I would be grateful for that. But for for them, it was just a, a, a defamation of the whole concept of dancing before the Lord. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see those biblical principles being offered again. But it's not to prove me right. It's not even to prove the scripture right. It's to bring people back into the framework of who God is and that that they would know him in freedom and apply those biblical principles that are inherent in those prophetic actions. So if I can get, and I'm speaking about you here, all of us, if, if we can forgive as the Lord forgives, what, what is the essence of his forgiveness? To bring people back into that measure of what he intended from the foundation of the world. That's forgiveness. And there are rules to how to know God in that. It is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's it. And there are, there are, I'm going to say punishments, but there are, there's a bill due for those who reject that or to openly resist and say that I'm not doing. And God forbid those that teach otherwise. There's a special point of accountability for you. So to me, the essence of forgiveness is to get back to that point where God, God's original plan is known. That's the essence of forgiveness. But it only comes through Christ. And so, if that's my perspective, you know, that's why you bless those that curse you. You bless them, eulogia, with the essence of what God wants for them. You speak that according to these eternal purpose. That's what you want. It doesn't, your forgiveness doesn't eliminate any of their malfeasance. Now you say, well, yeah, it releases them from you. Well, that's no entry into heaven. It's like somebody comes to the, to the altar or however they're praying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Okay, now you've got to go to this person, this person, make things right before you can get into heaven. Who says that? So if we really want God's will to be done and his kingdom to come, we've got to forgive like he forgives, which is really going back to the beginning. This is what I want. I'm going to make a way for you to know me here. That's how God forgives. So we teach that. We turn the other cheek in that. We hold on to hope for them, not to prove us right, not to vindicate us, but to, to, be, um, to be back where God wants. It's like when Jesus was being um, interrogated and the uh, Roman ruler said, what is truth? 
What is truth? Will they ever come to that realization? He's standing right in front of you. That's forgiveness. That's one with God. Anyway, boy, we sure roamed about, didn't we? But thanks for tuning in. We'll be praying tomorrow. We'll look forward to spending time with those of you who will be hearing us on Wednesday. Um, they just know we'll be praying. We invite you to pray. And uh, until tomorrow, God bless you. And goodbye.